Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of 30 Minute Thursdays, otherwise known as 30 Mint, where I bring you my weekly dose of fresh ideas and insights that are helping me to perform at my best. For my favorite recovery hacks, training philosophies, and analyzed guest insights, I will come prepared each week in hopes that you can apply these snippets to your everyday life. Now let's get to the show. If you find value here, please like and subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And for the true fans, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Today, I will be diving into how to handle injuries that you suffer during training, be that in jujitsu, strength training, running, any kind of sport that you love to do, how to handle it in those initial moments, and how to get back to the sports that you love. In today's episode, you can hope to take away information about why injuries occur in training, mistakes that people make during recovery, when to outsource your recovery, why rest should be considered a discipline, how to reduce the risk of injury, and when to return to sport. So if you play any sports, chances are that you've suffered an injury at some point in your life. And the downside to injury is that it can be really debilitating. On top of the fact that you're gonna be limited in what you can and cannot do, if you're someone who lives an active lifestyle, it can be downright depressing to have to take time away from the things that you love. In my 15 years of doing this professionally, a lifetime as an athlete, and then picking up jujitsu later in life as a hobbyist, I have sustained a significant amount of injuries, both acute trauma and aggravated injuries that just kind of pester over time. I fractured my clavicle, broken my pinky, broken my wrist. I had chest surgery when I was 16, broken toes. I really ran through the gamut of it. And in addition to that, I've also spent plenty of time laid up from pushing it too hard in the weight room, from not respecting my warm up. And I'm going to break down a lot of why I think these things happen in and out of training settings and things that we can pay attention to as hobbyists, as people with athletic hopes and dreams, so that you can have more days doing the things you love and less time laid up on the couch. So one of the main reasons I think that injuries occur in training break down into a couple categories. There's acute trauma. So this is going to be something that is very, very blatantly an injury, right? That could be like a contusion. That could be you hear a pop in your knee super loud when you're playing basketball and you know that it's an ACL, MCL issue. You could have a broken finger, broken wrist, something that visually you look at it and you know instantaneously that something horrific has happened. These acute injuries, I go back and forth on what degree of preparation can really prevent them because you see it at the highest levels, right? The world's best athletes with the most thorough training facilities and staff with the best training programs suffer injuries. Look at guys like Derek Rose, who've just been plagued with injuries throughout his career. It's devastating, but it happens even to the best. So if there's something acute that happens, Unfortunately, that's a little bit out of our control. Even if you put your best foot forward, you've trained really intelligently, you work on a program, you have great chiros and PTs and good access to information. At the end of the day, if you play sports and if you do things that are fun, you're running the risk of getting hurt. I did this taking mountain biking up recently and actually sold my bike last year because I slammed so hard. And I've been mountain biking my whole life, but this one slam was so brutal that in an instant, it made me really check how much I value mountain biking. And I strength train constantly, but it wasn't enough to prevent 
the impact from being the impact. I was going fast and I fell and that's going to have some outcomes, right? So thinking to sport, acute trauma is always going to be a reason that things happen. Another reason that injury occurs is repeated aggravation. And I think that this really boils down to a respect issue. If you are not respecting your body and you're not checking in with how you feel, how you're recovering, how you're prioritizing your sleep, whether or not you're hydrated, if you focus on your flexibility, and if you're strength training in a way that really promotes athletic performance in the things that you're doing, you can have something that just kind of nags at you. You know, every time you go into train jujitsu, every time you get on the mat, you're like, ah, my back's a little bit tweaked or right in between my shoulder blades hurts, or maybe your neck's bothering you. And it's the repeated unwillingness to check it and then treat it as such and handle it that leads to this downline occurrence that could have been prevented just with a little bit of intention. So that's going to be repeated. I call it repeated aggravation. It's something that you're not respecting. It keeps happening. And then eventually it's going to present itself in a way that forces you to take time away from the things that you love to do. You see this in the weight room with deadlifting, right? Someone has a, a back that's bothering them a little bit. They keep deadlifting. They keep deadlifting. The back keeps bothering them a little bit more. They don't respect it. They don't adjust their warm-up protocol, their intensity, their volume. Bam, they pull their back. They're laid up, right? That could have been avoided just by respecting what your body is trying to tell you. And then another reason I think the injuries occur in sport is mobility and flexibility. So let's take a... We'll use jujitsu as an example for the listeners. So if you cannot get into a deep squat at body weight, just standing in place, right? Arms out in front of you, descending down as deep as you can into a squat. If that is challenging, and in order to do that, you have to force space in your hips or drive your knees really far forward, lifting your ankle, your heels off the ground or round your upper back forward. This is a lack of mobility. Jujitsu is going to force you into that position at some point. Whether you're in a scramble, you're going against someone who's heavier than you, someone more skilled than you, someone who has more aggressive power, the speed that you weren't expecting. This position is so common, a, a very flexed hip position with tons of knee flexion, that's essentially guard from your back. Um, in weightlifting, this would be like a deep squat, a front squat or back squat. So. If you lack this mobility and then you go into a sport where the, you're likely to be put into that position, you're certainly at risk because your body being forced into a place where it doesn't have range of motion, it doesn't have strength and stability, that's going to produce an injury most of the time. This could also happen with rotation. Many people lack rotation in their thoracic spine. So if you think about your thoracic spines below your shoulders, above your waistband, right? It's that mid back part. If you are unable to rotate in that area of your body without moving your pelvis alongside it, it's likely that you lack thoracic mobility. You lack that rotation. Again, going back to jujitsu, you are going to get twisted in jujitsu. Someone's going to be blocking your hips and moving your head. In golf, as you come up into your backswing, that's thoracic rotation and hip rotation. So if you lack mobility there, and you go and you do 150 swings on the range and you force that position, the likelihood that something occurs down line, again, that's preventable is high. So just to summarize, acute trauma, repeated aggravation, 
lack of flexibility and mobility. One of those you definitely can't deal with. That's the acute one. Those are accidents. They're going to happen. Um, repeated aggravation you can catch early and flexibility and mobility you can address yourself. Everyone could improve their mobility and flexibility, but it takes diligence. You really have to carve out the time each and every night to take care of it or at the beginning of your workouts. Add another two to three minutes at the start of your workout just to get on a foam roller and see what feels good. What are your sticking points? What's flaring up that day? What needs to be addressed before you go into your training session? What needs to be addressed before you get out on the soccer field for your pickup game? What needs to be addressed before you play your pickup basketball game? All of these questions we should be asking ourselves because if you're not addressing those things prior to the sport starting, again, the likelihood of injury is high. And this is something that I see all the times with clients that I help them recover from, coming back from injury, getting back to the sports that they love. So those are some preventable things that I think are worth thinking about. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about mistakes that people make in recovery from an injury. Now, part of this is a mindset piece. So if you don't anticipate that injury can happen, it's going to be very surprising when it does. And when that happens, most likely the first couple thoughts that are going to come into your head is, holy shit, I can't do the things that I love to do anymore. You know, those few things in your life that are the extracurricular activities, the surfing, golfing, pickleball, jujitsu, whatever the things are that are outside of your family and your work life, that is going to be threatened when injury happens. So if you go through life expecting that it never will, and it does, it can be really overwhelming. And it's not that you should adopt a pessimistic attitude that you're just waiting for injury to happen, but it's important to consider that it may so that when it does, you can act accordingly immediately. And what that looks like for me and what this looks like when I work with clients is immediately think about what you can do. So if you surf and you injure your ribs, right, it's going to be very tough to paddle effectively and paddle pain-free in a sport where you lie down on the board on your ribs, right? So immediately going, I can't surf, everything's over, I'm just going to be stuck inside, Instead, think about what you can do. Think about the fact that you can still swim if it's pain-free. You could put on a wetsuit and you could still keep up your conditioning with your shoulders and your swimming and your, your breathing. You can pick up other activities that you might be foregoing so that you can surf. Maybe you wanted to start a new strength training routine, and you can do that without impacting this zone that's being challenged in that sport. So the first thing is to accept injury when it has happened, don't fret over it, and immediately start to look to what you can do. What are things that you can add back into your life that you might have taken out? What are things that you can do around the sport that might help it that you would be neglecting if you were playing the sport itself? That's some, some important things to think about because it's going to help you immediately start to wrap your brain around a productive and positive angle to getting your injury recovered and back to the thing you love to do. So for me, perfect example, jujitsu. I tweaked the hell out of my neck in a tournament. I wasn't expecting to do it. I tried this takedown. I jammed my cervical spine. I know this for a fact because I went and got an MRI, which we'll talk about a little bit later on how to handle severe injuries. And I knew that there was a protrusion at C5, C6. And 
that's not something that you can go and do more jujitsu with. So I had to take a step back, which is super hard for me. But instead of being bummed about not being able to roll, I thought about what can I do? Well, I can still deadlift. I can still squat. I can still do most pressing. I can do core work. I can do conditioning. I can do battle ropes. I can do jump rope. I can do boxing. I can do striking. I can do footwork. I can go in. And what I did do is go into class and watch. All your senses are working when you're doing any sport. And when you are the one playing it, oftentimes you're missing out on visual components. And when you have time to step back and sit and watch and see how other people do things, or maybe if you're a surfer, watching videos of your favorite surfer surfing to see how they make their bottom turn, how they make their top turn, how they look down the line, how they paddle into waves, how they read the wave. There's always something that you can do that's going to help you level up the thing that you're injured at so that when you return, it's not as if you did nothing. I think some of the most progress I make in jiu-jitsu is when I'm not training jiu-jitsu. It's when I'm sitting there and I'm watching my teammates train and going, oh, I always do that. And that's why X, Y, or Z happens. So it's these moments of reflection or stepping away from the thing that you're doing that can be a productive way to feel involved, to feel like your life's not being taken away from you and getting back to the thing that you love to do. I think another uh, mistake that people make in recovery is they fail to control intensity. So not all injuries are acute, traumatic, and will lay you up, right? A lot of them, like I said before, are nagging little injuries that just kind of bother us. It's a, a tweaked ankle that we can't fully load our weight on. It's a lumbar flare-up that doesn't allow us to flex forward or get into a deep squat. It's a shoulder injury that allows us to pull, but we can't press. So one thing that you have to do when you suffer an injury is regulate your intensity. And at very simply put, if one is super easy and 10 is super hard, and every time that you strength train or every time you go for a run or every time you go for a hike, you always do it at a seven or an eight. You're always kind of pushing it because that's the thing you love to do. That's your part of the week where you can really go for it. If all you're doing is seven and eight, seven and eight, seven and eights, and you get injured, you cannot do seven and eights. It's time to dial it back. It's a perfect opportunity to bring the intensity back, bring the volume back, and start to work on some of the finer things. Going back to personal experience, some of the best strides I've ever made in weightlifting when I was Olympic weightlifting were when I was too injured to do maximal effort stuff. So my body wasn't recovered enough to go for big lifts at high intensity and heavy weight. So what I would do is I would work on the finer things, working on my breathing, working on my bracing, working on my bar position, working on how I drive an unloaded bar. There's always something that you can do, but you have to regulate your intensity and control that yourself. This is where training on a program is super valuable because programs by design kind of auto-regulate intensity, and then they give you a blueprint with which you can back intensity off of or ramp it up. So if you just go to the gym and you just exercise, but you don't really know which direction you're headed, what you're doing, where you're going, it's going to be very hard for you to make adjustments to that, just like a roadmap, driving to a different city. If you don't know where you're going, you don't know what alternate routes you can take to get there. So having yourself on a program, thinking about training on a program is a really good way to help regulate your intensity and control for it when you do get injured. 
these 30 minute Thursdays are ripping by. I knew that this was going to happen. So I, I'm only through two things. I already want to talk about these next ones real quick. So, uh, when to outsource recovery, this is so important. I have linked in the show notes for this show, two very important episodes, Dr. Mike Pikarski and Dr. John Amato both have really good insights onto cervical, uh, spine issues and specific grappling issues. So those two episodes are in there at length. They are going to talk about this much more than I can, but they are perfect examples of why you outsource to a professional in the event that what you've suffered is an acute traumatic injury. So if something happens where you instantaneously know that you have been injured and it's undeniable, and this is not something that you can work out with a foam roller, right? So the example I'll give is I was skateboarding when I was 14. I tried to ollie this gap at my friend's house. I came up short. My wheels caught the pavement. I flew forward, pinky first, and I looked at my hand, and my pinky was at a 90-degree angle off of the finger. It's time to seek medical help, right? I, we are not going to fix that together. <laughs> that is something that has to be outsourced. So knowing when to outsource your recovery is a really, really important part of getting back to sport in full force. And I, I don't say that lightly because too many people go through part of their recovery and then go back to the sports that they're doing. And then they forever deal with an injury that's recurring. They do part of their PT and they skip out on the last part because they don't think it's important. They do part of their PT and then they forego it and they get back in the weight room. Uh, outsource traumatic injuries always. Go see a professional. Go get an MRI. Go talk to a doctor, get an x-ray, go see a physical therapist, go see a chiropractor, go see someone who really knows the body better than you do, knows the body better than you can research on WebMD, and get a professional opinion for two reasons. One, if it's serious, you want to know now, because if it's unknown and it is serious, you're going to make it worse. And when injuries get made worse, that becomes surgical downline. It just becomes such a bigger problem than it has to be. If it's not serious and you know definitively, you can move on. And that's one of the biggest things with outsourcing your recovery is peace of mind. Being able to be told that it's not that bad and see a, an image or an MRI or an x-ray that proves it, now you know that you can just follow your regular recovery protocol and get back to sport as quick as you want. But the difference between those two things is very important. It is instrumental to get out to a professional when you can. So if you're unsure about what to do or who to talk to, check out those two episodes. They're grappling specific, but there's a value in high-level sports physios uh, that I think you'll find in those two episodes. And maybe it'll encourage you to reach out to someone locally in your community that can help you out. The other reason to outsource recovery is pain. This becomes exponentially harder the more sports you do because if you do things at a high intensity, it's probable that your pain tolerance is high too. And if you have a high pain tolerance, it becomes difficult to use pain as a metric of severity because you might look at a pinky. And I mean, people actually do this, right? They look at a broken hand, they grab their hand and they pop it back into place. Not all people will react that way, but some people do. The pain tolerance is high enough that they can put their own shoulder back into place, put their own fingers back into place. So, Use pain as best you can. It is a good guide, but you have to be really honest about it. And there is no awards to be won 
and toughness when you're talking about pain in your own body. You have to take it seriously and you're not being a bitch. <laughs> it's just part of it. You need to take it seriously and then keep moving forward so that you can get back to the sports that you love. The other reason I think it's important to outsource recovery is longevity. I, I really can't stress this enough that improperly coming back from an injury has the potential for lifelong consequences. Lifelong consequences from not properly healing something. And that can happen for a couple of reasons. That can happen because you didn't know it was serious because it wasn't outsourced. That can happen because you knew it was serious and you took some steps to get it back. Or in the unfortunate case, it can happen because you did everything right and it's still just the skeletal and muscular system have been altered so much that they won't be the same. Two of those are more controllable than the other. So it's important to consider that. If you care about doing these things for as long as you want to do them, being really honest with yourself when you suffer an injury is super important. Rest is a discipline I'll touch on briefly. I just think that this is a beautiful point. It's something that I have struggled with my whole life, and I really feel like recently I've started to understand it. If you have a worker's mindset, work, 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 you know, leave it all out on the field, train super hard. You enjoy that kind of tenacity, that kind of effort. It is easy to overlook rest because you think that time spent resting is time wasted that could have been spent getting stronger, getting faster, getting more skilled, uh, catching bigger waves, whatever it is. So learning to respect rest as disciplined as you respect effort is one of the most instrumental pieces of injury prevention and longevity because that's actually when you get stronger. If we look on this on a physiological level, right? If you were person A and you go into a strength and conditioning workout, you are literally tearing down muscle fibers. You're ripping them apart and you're causing trauma on a microscopic level. Your body repairs that site and that's what allows you to become stronger to do more with the same if you're never letting that process happen if you're not sleeping enough at night if you're training too frequently which can happen if you're running too far for your training cycle riding too far for your training cycle if your power outputs aren't where they should be this can all work against you so learning how to rest just as hard as you train becomes super important. And this is getting easier and easier with wellness centers that offer sauna and cold plunge and stretch labs. I mean, they've really gamified recovery to a point where it doesn't feel like you just have to be sedentary, sitting at home, doing nothing. You can actually get out in public. You can create community around recovery. You can create relationships and social settings around doing things that are good for your body. And that didn't exist the way it does now 15 years ago. So however you got to do it, bundle it up, whatever you need to do to get yourself to respect the rest as a discipline, do it because it will pay you tenfold. How to reduce the risk of injury. This is an important topic, strength training, first and foremost. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm a trainer. I'm saying that because I've talked to professionals that help people come back from surgery, that help people come back from traumatic injuries like Mike Parker. Pikarski, excuse me, and Jonathan Motto. And 
strength training is tried and true. I mean, there, there's millions of reasons why, but you're going to, on a proper program, improve your ranges of motion and strengthen them. These improved strong ranges of motion will become more stable and more stable strong ranges of motion that then have strength and power put behind them create a more capable human being. A human being with better proprioception so you understand where you are in space. In the event that you fall, you can... A, a perfect example of, of proprioception. Proprioception is your understanding of where you are in space relative to everything around you. Cats have fantastic proprioception. You throw a cat in the air, it's likely going to land on its feet. Even if it's upside down, it will find a way because it knows where it is at all times. Strength training promotes proprioception. If you become more proficient at movement patterns, you're going to be better at knowing where you are passively. That alone is going to help reduce the risk of injury because you are going to mitigate those instances where people are falling, slipping, uh, missing a handle, going to, to post not knowing how far the mat is away from their hand, all these kind of intrinsic things that you develop as understanding where you are start to go away. So strength training becomes very, very important for that reason on top of increasing bone density, increasing muscle mass that surrounds the bones and protects it, better for your tendons, your ligaments. All of this, of course, falls under the umbrella of intelligent, smart strength training, not just going in and doing uh, your buddy's brother's high school workout from 20 years ago where you're just bench pressing millions of pounds of weight, but pragmatic, thorough, strong strength training programs that are based on how you as an individual move become very important. Uh, isometric neck exercises. This is a big Jonathan Amato shout out because he completely flipped on its head my entire understanding of how to use an iron neck and how to train for grappling to ditch these 1980s exercises of head tripods and cervical compression and to switch gears into isometric resistance in different angles for grapplers, jujitsu players, mixed martial artists, your head and your neck are extremely valuable and they're going to take a beating no matter how you cut it. So, Taking time to properly train those muscles to support this eight-pound bowling ball that sits on top of your shoulders, probably one of the best investments you'll make. And all you have to do is look to the mats. Go to any academy. I guarantee you, if there's five people on the mat, you're going to find someone with a neck injury. So reducing the risk of injury, you can also look to things like cars, uh, functional range conditioning. We also talked about those two episodes uh, cars are controlled articular rotations. These are basically taking a joint through a rotation controlled with your own body weight. It's a great way to build proficiency within that. And it goes back to this point I talked on in the beginning, which is if you're going to take a pattern that lacks proficiency and then load it, you're only inviting injury. So if your wrist lacks rotation, flexion or extension, and you force it into flexion or extension from a wrist lock, from someone's Kimura transition, from your ski pole jamming into the snow, from pressing up on your board, falling, having the board hit you again, from jamming it in basketball. I mean, there's so many different ways to injure that joint, let alone all the other joints. Doing cars is a really good way to explore what range of the motion your body has 
with your own resistance. And then as you build that proficiency, you can take it and put resistance on top of it. I'll also link a video to what cars are. There are things that you can add to the beginning of your workouts, beginning of your training sessions, pre-surf, pre-run. I'm starting to go real fast here because I want to keep these under 30 minutes. And I just want to talk before we finish about when to return to sport. I'm going to spend the last three minutes here talking about this. Like I said before, pain is a good guide, but it isn't the best guide because it can, it can be swayed by emotion. If you miss the sports you love doing and you're excited to get back to them, you might overlook pain to go and do them. So use pain as part of your system to decide whether or not you're ready to go back to sport, but couple that with body weight assessment, taking your body through exercises and ranges of motion and movements that you would find in your sport, but without any resistance. So in jujitsu, if you are on your back or rolling in transition on your knees, take some floor space in a gym, throw out a yoga mat and explore some of those patterns. Now, if you're working with a physio, if you're coming off a surgery, you need to stick to their plan 100%. Do not deviate from it. Don't go and start exploring stuff with your ACL recovery on a mat in a gym. I'm talking about non-traumatic, not coming back from surgery injuries. Ones that you can explore on your own. If your elbow has been bothering you in training, see how it feels through a bodyweight push-up on an incline. See how it feels in a, a really high TRX row with barely any resistance. Start to explore that joint's action under the resistance of your own body and see how it feels because it's going to tell you a lot about whether or not you're ready. If you go into a push-up and you've been suffering from a neck injury and as you go down, you feel referred pain down your arm, it's probably not time to go back to grappling because something in that vertebrae is still pressing on the nerve and it's giving you that referred sensation. So using body weight exercises, using pain, and then checking for asymmetries and range of motion. If, for example, you can flex both your feet forward away from you normally, but then you do it again and you have an asymmetry in that flexion or extension, that's an indicator that whatever happened is still limiting the joint's ability to operate. So this is a, a little bit zoomed in, but consider asymmetries in your body that didn't exist prior to the injury that are showing up now. And if you're able to get them back to a place that's more symmetrical, then you're good to go. If you get on your back and you go put someone in closed guard and one of your hips doesn't want to get into that position, but normally it does, it might be time to either A, work on that hip more with a foam roller with stretching, or B, take more time off. I am calling it right there. That's the first episode of 30 Minute Thursdays. I really hope that you enjoy this. If you're still sticking around, please take a couple seconds, leave a five-star review on Spotify. It helps this show get discovered organically, which is what matters most to me. This isn't a paid advertisement show. I really want to grow this community of people that are trying to level up how they live and get back to the sports that they love to do. So tune in this coming Tuesday for episode 101 of the Main Idea Podcast and the following Thursday for episode two of 30 Minute Thursdays. We went over by 30 seconds, but I'm going to cap it right there. I hope you have a great weekend.